Hello everyone, I'm Frank Rock and welcome to From the Hacks Waking Up with the Briar. Less than a week after the end of the Scotties, the top men's teams in Canada have entered the bubble and are preparing for the 2021 Tim Hortons Briar. On this, the very first episode of Waking Up with the Briar, Carrie Anderson joins me less than a week after her team won a second consecutive Scotties title, and I'm also joined by the voice of curling, Vic Router of TSN, who has been broadcasting the Briar since the early 1980s. Before starting this episode, uh, I want to take a moment to send some love out to my buddy Dan and his wife Tammy, who lost their son Chris a few days ago at the age of 27. Uh, No parent should ever have to go through that, and my thoughts, my prayers and love are with Dan, Tammy, and their family at this time. And Dan, I know you listen to some of my episodes because you love the sport of curling or you enjoy watching it. Uh, If you're ever listening to this, uh, my heart's with you, buddy. Hang in there, and I hope to see you soon. My first guest today is Carrie Anderson, who less than a week ago became only the eighth woman to skip a team to two consecutive Canadian Women's Curling Championships, and the first since Rachel Holman did it in 2014. Carrie joined me to discuss her team's victory in Calgary, what life was like inside the bubble, and what it was like to play an important game such as a Scotties final inside of an empty arena. Carrie, your victory at the 2021 Scotties in Calgary allowed you to join an elite list that includes Vera Pezzer, Heather Houston, Sandra Schmirler, Colleen Jones, Jennifer Jones, Kelly Scott, and Rachel Holman as the only skips who have repeated as champions at a Canadian Women's Curling Championship. How does it feel to hear your name mentioned on a list that includes all of these other women? That feel that sounds absolutely amazing. All those uh, teams are so amazing, and to be a part of that is an honor for me. Now, before the Scotties, I spoke to you and several other players for, for my uh, Scotties preview, and you all spoke about feeling confident that you would be able to play well despite some potential early rusting, as most of you had not played very much this year. Now that the Scotties is in the rearview mirror, uh, Kerry, can I take you back to those first few days after entering the bubble? Were you at all concerned about what type of form your team might show in Calgary? Were you concerned that you might play well, but that you might not be able to find that extra gear that you need to win a Scotties, even in this unique situation? maybe a little bit um we weren't sure what it was going to look like and how we were going to feel out there just with having no crowds or anything like that to feed off of but we did a lot of off off season training and uh if, if that's like in the gym or watching game tapes back and analyzing other teams ourselves and uh, we worked really hard off season. Um, it, we couldn't be on the ice uh, to actually practice. So I think that really helped us as well to get our minds back into curling mode. And um, we didn't put so much pressure on ourselves. We just went out and had fun and had a lot of laughs and uh, just enjoyed and embraced being Team Canada. Now, Carrie, most elite teams such as yours are very detail-oriented, have a process in place and a routine they are comfortable with at big events such as the Scotties. Now, the pandemic and being in a bubble messed with that routine and that process on some levels, I'm sure. How did you and the team go about adapting to this change in process and routine? The first few days were tough because you couldn't do absolutely anything. Um, So... There was a lot of downtime, but once the event started, it was just kind of 
the same as always. Um, I know you couldn't go outside or do anything like that. You could book time slots for if you wanted to go into the gym. Um, so that was nice. I did that once. And then I just kind of did my own thing in my room. But uh, yeah, it actually wasn't all that bad other than you weren't able to really see anyone or socialize at all. So that kind of, kind of sucked. And then getting all those tests done. And also uh, you had to check out all the time and get your temperature checked twice a day. So that was a totally different than what we're normally used to. Now your team won its first seven games and lost only twice all week in Calgary. So you played pretty well throughout the Scotties. That said, Carrie, was there a point during the week when you felt you had truly found your groove as a team? It was definitely like midweek where we started to feel our groove and just started to really uh, start playing well. And um, we just kept getting better and better each game and being consistent. If you're consistent, that is, that's great. Like, that is a huge plus. So we midweek, we felt it and we, we were feeling great out there and starting to get a hang of the ice and what it was doing and feeling more comfortable. Both Shannon and Brianne were asked during the week whether they had been gassed a little after not sweeping for the better part of a year, especially at the beginning of the week. How impressive was their performance given that sweeping is a difficult skill to replicate in off-ice training? They did absolutely amazing. For not being able to sweep for a year, those girls worked their butts off, and I have not seen sweepers work so incredibly hard, and they made so many shots for me. Brianne's hand was legit bleeding all over her her um, jersey. Like that just shows that how strong they are and they are so determined to get in those last sweeps no matter how gassed they are. I also have to ask you about Val Sweeting's performance last week. She was the top ranked third in shooting percentage and not unlike Shannon and Brianne, also had to sweep after close to a year off. Val has been absolutely amazing that whole entire week. Her and I just had so many laughs back there. Um, We really enjoyed ourselves and we both have grown as players and together and really have become really good friends. And uh, she's a big part of our team and our success. And I have so much respect for her and, um, I just feel so comfortable out there and when she reassures me and uh, if, if I'm not feeling comfortable with something, she's, she just reassures me that this is the right ice. You're good. It's, and just to trust it. And her and I have got such a amazing bond together. I think it was pretty clear to anybody watching the Scotty's uh, final uh, carry that your team seemed to have a much better handle on the ice during the final than uh, Team Holman did. Was there any particular reason for that? Is there something that you can point to that may have given you that advantage in that final game? Well, definitely from us playing in the semi, uh, we got a feel for it. And we knew that the ice was starting to get sludgy um, midpoint in the game. So uh, luckily for us, we didn't have to draw so much. Uh, That was a bit of a challenge. So we just um, made sure to keep our shots simple and uh, not make things too difficult out there for us. And uh, I think we did a really good job of catching on to those paths in the 
and the weights. Now, last year in the Scotties final, your team gave up an agonizing steal of two in a 10th end to Rachel Holman, only to come back and win in an extra end. And there we were a year later, and you gave up a steal of two to Rachel Holman in a ninth end to tie the game. Now, everyone watching got a sense of deja vu. What was going through Kerry Anderson's mind when you gave up that steal of two in the ninth end of this year's final? Well, there's a few shots that end I would uh, definitely um, take back. I knew at that moment um, that I shouldn't be tight here because you can make this shot two ways. Um, and as soon as I was coming out, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm tight. And I tried to get it back. Just wasn't enough. And, yeah, I was having flashbacks from last year. But I was like, nope, it's all good. It can't go into an extra end, right? So uh, <laughs> um, I knew uh, the girls would make their shots in front of me um in that last end and uh fortunately I didn't have to throw my last one but if I had to I was confident in in making it one of the major differences at this year's Scotties was obviously the fact that there were no crowds uh, nobody allowed in the venue to cheer your team on and the other teams on as well how different was it playing in an empty venue for the week and also how different was it during and after the championship game where the crowd is typically on the edge of their seats, and you also get a nice ovation after winning. It sounded eerily quiet out there after the final had ended. It was definitely different. We missed those cheers and even the oohs. <laughs> we, when it was all the teams out there, it wasn't as noticeable, but sometimes we found ourselves whispering. And I'm like, why are we whispering? Let's just be ourselves and be loud, celebrate those shots, because we are our our own energy so we had to feed off of each other and so we just celebrated those simple shots as well yeah it was definitely definitely different at the end of last year's final uh, carry you raced to the stands to hug your kids and your husband how difficult was it to accomplish such an achievement and not be able to share it with them right then and there in the venue like you did last year yeah i really really miss that um my girls and my husband and my family being there um, after an event or after a game, I loved going to give my girls big hugs and kisses. And uh, I know they missed it as well because they were like, mommy, we want to be there with you. And I said, I'm sorry, can't. I would love for you to be here and share this special moment with me because this is something maybe one day you would like to do. And I know they look up to me and are so proud of me and I'm I'm a very lucky mom. <laughs> Last year after you went to Scotty's at Carrie, you made your way to Prince George BC for the Women's Worlds only to find out that they were cancelled a few days before the event was due to start because of the pandemic and everything going into lockdown. This year the Women's Worlds were cancelled as well, although there there are rumors that something might be in the works. How difficult has it been for your team to essentially win the Scotties twice? and perhaps not even get a chance to represent Canada at the World Championships after either of those two wins? Yeah, before I left, my husband said to me, he's like, well, you could be the first person to um, win back-to-back titles and never go to Worlds. So I was like, yep, you're right. <laughs> and at least we knew that going into it, that the Worlds was cancelled instead of finding out during, because that would be pretty heartbreaking as well. So, um but we knew that we just really wanted to go out there and just do our thing and BT Canada and uh, love every moment of it and enjoy it. 
What is one piece of life in the bubble advice that you might have for the men currently in Calgary for the Briar? Well, I've seen a lot of videos and they're doing a great job, those guys. <laughs> I just kind of laid there and watched Yellowstone the whole time. So I didn't do too much. I don't know. I don't know if I have any. <laughs> And finally, Carrie, over the past couple of seasons, you've gone from being relatively under the radar to one of the more recognizable players in the sport. What you say in interviews and what you post on social media now gets a lot more attention than it did three or four years ago. How has that transition gone for you? Because it's not always easy to be thrust into the spotlight like that. Yeah, you definitely got to be careful of what you say now um, that you are a role model to people and to kids. Um, but I always just be myself. So what you see is actually how I am in real life. So um, I always say to my friends and family, they're just always like, Oh, like you're famous or even just like people coming up to me. I was like, no, I'm just, I'm just Carrie Anderson. I'm and small town girl. And uh, just, Yep, that's that's me. For those of you looking to get some insight into this year's Briar from several of the players that will be competing in Calgary, look up From the Hacks 2021 Briar Preview, which includes my conversations with reigning champion Brad Gushu, Brandon Botcher, Brad Jacobs, Matt Dunstone, Reed Carruthers, BJ Newfeld, Ryan Fry, James Gratton, Greg Smith, and Glenn Howard, who joins me to discuss his recent snowmobile accident, which will limit his playing time in Calgary, and led Canadian Curling Hall of Famer Wayne Mada to step in for Team Ontario. You can find the From the Hack preview at FromTheHack.com on the Sports Illustrated curling page, or you can find the link on our From the Hack Facebook page or Twitter feed. And my final guest on this, the very first episode of Waking Up with the Briar, is the voice of curling himself, Vic Router of TSN. Vic has been broadcasting the sport of curling for well over 30 years, and he will once again be joined in the Briar broadcast booth by Olympic medalists Cheryl Bernard and Russ Howard. The first question I've been asking many of my guests, Vic, uh, during these Waking Up with the Briar or Waking Up with the Scotties features is what is your go-to beverage when you get up in the morning to help Vic Router get his day off on the right foot? Well, it's coffee. And I roll right out of bed and I make myself a coffee and that's how I start my day. Uh, that's how I start every day. Tell me what it felt like to be back at a curling venue in Calgary about a week and a half ago after such a long and difficult year away from the sport. Let me be quite honest with you. It's, we're all appreciative of being back and uh, yeah, whatever it took and whatever they could do to put this together, uh, you know, even, after, even though we have to uh, quarantine and do testing, it's uh, really going quite well. Can you take us back to what it was like entering the bubble, Vic, and also what it's like to be there now in between events? My, you know, I live in Aurelia, Ontario, about 90 minutes north of Toronto, so I had to do two um, COVID tests before I uh, got on the plane. So those are the nasal uh, swabs, those are the brain ticklers, and uh, passed those, got on the plane uh, on the um, Monday prior to the, uh, the Scotties starting on the Friday, uh, some are left on Sunday, but immediately when you got here, you went into a two-day full lockdown quarantine in the hotel room, and so you couldn't leave. So my, my, when my, uh, my suitcase was stuffed not only with clothing, but a lot of snacks and that kind of thing, and I swear when I undid the zipper, the zipper went, ah, thank you. I mean, I really stretched the bags. And then you start, your, you know, those days, you're in your room anyway, so you might as well do your prep. 
and that's what it was. We were finally around, allowed out on Thursday. Uh, went to the arena uh, again. We're uh, you know we're 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 sectioned off. We have our zone. The curlers, the officials, have their zone, and no two zones shall meet. So uh, I can't get down to the players or anyone down to the players as we might normally. And then it starts, and it's I, you know, I said to some of the crew who have experienced this, this is a lot like an Olympics, where you live in a residence, you get on the bus, you go through your screening. Uh, we do uh, uh, swabs, throat swabs, twice uh, every second day. You get on the bus, you go to the arena, you do your event, you get on the arena, on the bus, you go back to your, your residence. And that's what it's been. And even during the time off now, uh, as soon as I'm done t- speaking with you, uh, Frank, I have to go for my uh, another uh, swab, uh, throat swab. I have to do a temperature check twice a day. Uh, yeah, they're pretty strict about it. But, I, you know, you were mentioning about staying. I'm fortunate because I get to go home right after the briar. I was supposed to, along with uh, Russ and Cheryl, we were supposed to do the women's worlds from Switzerland, but here in Calgary overnight. Now, with that being canceled, uh, they're sending us home for about 10 days, and then I'll come back for the men's worlds. So, you know, again, I'm in my room today uh, prepping, uh, making my notes. But even if I was home, I would be doing the same thing. It's just that it happens to be in a hotel. From a media perspective, it has been difficult to to prep for the Briar and Scotties because we have so little information to work with when it comes to results from this season, how teams performed during provisionals, how they fared in head-to-head matchups, etc. But at least at the Scotties, what it came down to was that the better team showed their skill level and they made it deep into the tournament. Yeah, I would think probably five or six six playdowns, and they were, with all respect, the, the lesser provinces or territories. Uh, and you're, but you're right. Uh, I think what we saw was in the Scotties exactly what we talked about prior to the event beginning, and that was it was going to come down to talent. And I think in the end, what you saw were the the teams with experience, the teams with the most talent that were on the ice. In the end, uh, were there mistakes? Yeah, there were plenty. I think um, you know Scott McDonald, uh, who. Uh, skipped Ontario a couple of briars ago and is now going to skip Nova Scotia. Uh, he said it best uh, in an interview. He said, I, this is going to be like starting the season all over. And you'll, you'll be given two or three games to get your game shape. And then you better be ready. Because the format as such, probably eight and, uh, eight and three, maybe six and four, will get you into the next round. And remember, of course, you you take your uh, wins and losses with you when you move on. So, yeah, there's, there's bound to be mistakes, but I, uh, I still think it's going to come down to whoever, whoever finds their feet first, is able to find that mid-season form first, and then ultimately it'll be just the talent winning out. We'll get back to the Briar in a moment, uh, Vic, but I want to touch on a couple of storylines from the Scotties. Uh, first and foremost, how impressive was it to watch Rachel Holman, eight months pregnant, playing well and leading her team to the Scotties final? Had you ever seen anything similar to that in the 30 years uh, plus that you've been covering the Scotties? No, I mean, listen, remarkable. And, uh, you know, I find it, I find sometimes it's a little, they make fun of it because whenever I end up speaking about pregnancy, but those who know, <laughs> those who have been there, Kathy said, 
she could uh, she the difference for her this year was she didn't have time to play around her uh, pregnancy. So uh, basically, she hit the the ice and uh, the baby went with her. Uh, whereas before, um, she grew around the pregnancy and her delivery grew around it. So no extraordinary, the fact that she came that close, uh, but you could see it being very draining on her. And um, so no, never have it, never have seen it. Um, and I don't know if we'll ever see it again, but she was being checked every day. Uh, she had physiotherapists working with her and of course a doctor who checked her every day. So there was no fear from that end. The other storyline that I found very interesting at the skies was how well the young teams, such as St. George of Quebec, Pearson and Zacharias of Manitoba performed in their first Scotties. None of them looking out of place. Well, sure, but I mean, let's let's start with the the Manitoba teams first. How difficult it is to get out of Manitoba. We had five Manitoba teams in there. Now, Zacharias needs some seasoning. I think she got she learned some lessons. Uh, I think they'll have to adapt their game more to the arena game. Uh, you know, Peterson. Will we see her again? I hope so. But again, realizing how difficult Manitoba is. Laurie Saint George, outstanding. Uh, to come in and play with that kind of uh, enthusiasm, no fear. But, uh, you know, as we've seen in the past, Suzanne Burt, when she was Suzanne Goody, came out of juniors and nearly won it. I lost her first and won 10 straight, if I remember correctly, back in 2002. I think it was 2003. Uh, but since then, hasn't come close. You know, you, 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 come in, you come in not really knowing and fearing what you may fear, if you could ever play that way all the time. But she's going to come back, I hope. I certainly hope. I hope the game grows in Quebec. You know, I was disappointed because she got some, she got some media attention from the CBC in Montreal, but when I was looking, I was looking for other things, that, you know, with regards to soccer and the Montreal impact, but or the club to foot Montreal. And there isn't any or wasn't anything about her and her game in any of the French papers, whether it be the Montreal Gazette or the Journal de Montreal. I didn't see anything, and that's the problem. She's Curling in Quebec has still got to fight that, that Anglo image, but I would hope that it would garner some more attention. But, you know, just to your point, uh, she was spectacular, and it was nice to see her and recognized as well by the other curlers for the, the Sportsmanship Award. That's how much he impressed everybody. Vic, many people have stated now with the addition of the three wildcard teams this year that the field for the 2021 Briar might be the deepest field in Briar history. You've covered a lot of Briars in your broadcasting career. Is this about as deep a field as you've ever seen? Let's just take a quick moment here. So I've got the field in front of me. You tell me if they, you think, and I'll give you my opinion. If you think they'll be there, and and re remembering now, so it's nine teams in a in a pool, and the top four go through, and we're looking at five and three as the benchmark. Maybe six and four gets you tiebreak. Who's you going to be there? Sure. Is Jacobs going to make it? You bet. Quebec's Fournier. Would you give him an outside chance? Maybe second time, but he's and he's got a, he's got some experience. But that's one of those teams you don't think. Watcher. Scoggy from Yellowknife, no. Dunstone. Okay, so what do we got there? Four or six right now. 
Uh, Steve Laycock, yes, out of BC. Scott McDonald is taking over the uh, Jamie Murphy team in Nova Scotia, and I like him, and he could make them a winner. Whitehorse, long shot. Wild card, McEwen, yes. Uh, Nunavut, McKay, no. Dunlickson, Manitoba, going to be close. Grattan, if he can, uh, if he can find his footing early, he might push somebody. Epping, Ontario, of course. Cooey, wild card, yes. Howard, the problem here now is that Glenn Howard won't be skipping. In fact, he'll be the fifth. He'll be the alternate because Wayne Medall will skip because of his recent injury. Eddie McKenzie, PEI, no. And finally, Greg Smith, no, out of uh, Newfoundland and Labrador. So, I mean, I think of the 18, you've probably got 12 to 13 that could make a go of it. That's extraordinary. That's truly extraordinary. So you're going to have a lot of good teams on the outside looking in. And when you get to that final three, what are you thinking? Guju maybe? Jacobs? I don't know. Who else? I mean, we just don't know. The key for this is going to be those those losses that you take with you going through that championship round because you only play four more games and you really can't afford to take a lot of losses with you. I mean, very true. And a feel like uh, like this that is so deep, you can't even really afford to take one bad loss. Well, no, you cannot stub your toe. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got – so Northern Ontario is in Group A, and they've got Brendan Botcher, uh, just flicking through my cards here, and Kevin Cooey, all right? And then behind them is Gunlickson. And you've got Jim Cotter or Steve Laycock, Glenn Howard. And then the last three are James Gratton, Scoggy, and Mickelson. So it only would take a James Gratton to play the way we know he can play and knock off a Jacobs or hand him a loss. And now Jacobs, we're looking ahead to get through. And if he gets through, now he's got a loss and maybe two losses. Now it's tough. It really is tough. So here are the seedings on the B side. Epping, Guju, McEwen, Dunstone. Those are your four. Then you've got McDonald skipping Nova Scotia. And then you go to Quebec and Smith of Newfoundland, Labrador, Mackenzie, PEI, and, and Mackey uh, out of Northwest Territories. I mean, it, to my mind, Group A is the, is the toughest of the two. The fact that there were no fans in the venue during the Scotty certainly made it different, uh, a different experience for the players, particularly those that had been to the Scotties before. How different was it for you as a broadcaster, Vic, to call games inside an empty arena? before going in because they know how I broadcast they they did a lot of insulation but you're right uh it you miss it you truly do I mean Laura Walker made a draw I think it was in that play in the uh, one of the games drew the drew the pin against three or four and the building would have lost its roof and it was crickets you know we made we made the joke this was a women's this was the women's league on a Wednesday night uh, the late draw, and you were the only people in the building except for the bartender. It was very tough, and I think it was difficult for the players. And that's why, you know, I, I said during the broadcast, you know, during the NHL season, people made a said, well, Tampa Bay has to put an asterisk beside their Stanley Cup. And I said, not a chance. They should put they should put four or five check marks because what they overcame to be in two separate bubbles to win that is extraordinary. So. Any team that wins this, Team Canada, Anderson, whoever wins this one, give them 
full props because they've overcome a lot. They've overcome what they've had to do to get here to, to, to prep for it. They've had to go through what they do to be in quarantine, uh, isolated in their rooms, nothing, no interaction. This is something to overcome. So whoever, whoever wins this is more, is more than fully deserving. Vic, people of my generation uh, first started listening to you on Curling Broadcast back in the mid-80s. Uh, you had such great chemistry with Linda Moore and Ray Turnbull for all those years. And now you've developed a good chemistry with both uh, Russ Howard and Cheryl Bernard. Is chemistry like that in a broadcast booth something that just happens? Do you have to work on it? Or is it a matter of the chemistry evolving over time as you get used to each other in the booth? Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up because... My, our late VP uh, of TSN, Jim Thompson, who um, passed away several years now, quite unexpectedly, he said, the thing that I had with Linda and Ray was uh, lightning in a bottle. And uh, we all knew our place. And I still, and Russ is coming on board, and now Cheryl, I think we all know our place. And one thing I do not deviate from and I'm not patting myself on the back here. I know my place. My place is to describe, to introduce, to uh, to question. I still am the viewer watching at home. Quite often, people will come up to me and say, "Are you not? Do you ever? Do you, are you ever going to play the game?" And I, you know, I, I I haven't played in a couple of years now because of, I had hip surgery, but. I was playing two and three times a week while I lived in Toronto. But that's my job. My job is to ask why. Can't they play the intern here? Isn't there a hole on the left side rather than the right side? Would you ever play to the back stone? Would you ignore that one over there? That's my job. And, and I think if I know my place, then they know theirs as well. So they always know that I'm going to set them up. And I very rarely try so hard, never, to take anything out of their mouth because what tends to happen then is I make a mistake and now they have to correct me. So I always put it in the form of a question, but you know, I'm, I'm very, very lucky to have two different teams of, uh, of broadcasters and uh, very blessed, very blessed. And finally, Vic, each year people can't wait to see the montages that you narrate at the end of each of the events that you cover during the season of Champions. I realize that it's a team effort. Can you take me through the process of recording one of those? And do you ever find yourself getting emotional while narrating these montages the way many people get emotional watching them at the end of big events like a Briar or a Scotty's? No, because sometimes I do it to what we call black. Sometimes I'll do it uh, without seeing the pictures. No, and you're right. And, uh, you know, people often say, Vic, it's, you know what? It's my voice. It's my read. That's what I do. But there is uh, associate producer, Kevin Pratt, who uh, over the course of a week will think of what he wants to do, and he'll put it together and write it. Jeff Kamada, another associate producer, uh, does a lot of the openings. In fact, the opening I just recorded again to black, I just moved 10, 15 minutes ago. So you'll see that on Friday night. And then Shane Dilling is the master of the editing uh, on a couple of laptops, is able to put it all together. So it, it, it truly is a team deal. And you know what? And it's, it's funny, one of those things that I've always loved about television 
the, the, the crew, the, the people you don't see. We all have the same pride, and we all take ownership of what we do. And uh, it's, it's really nice, uh, quite honest with you, when people compliment us and let us know sometimes when we're not doing the right job. But, uh, no, it's a team game. We cover, we cover a team game with a great team. And uh, I hope it reflects uh, when it comes to your house. And that does it for this very first episode of Waking Up with the Briar. Join me tomorrow as I speak with Jason Gunlexon of Team Manitoba from inside the Calgary bubble. And I also chat with two-time Briar champion Pat Simmons, who ended the last Briar to be held in Calgary with a draw for the ages.